Hi, I'm your host, Lillian Yang. Hi, I'm your host, Fakri Shafai, and you are listening to Food Nonfiction. When you ask for a dozen of something, you get 12. For example, a dozen roses. That's 12 roses. But at some bakeries, you get 13 for the price of 12. That's called the baker's dozen. A baker's dozen, sometimes also called a long dozen or a baked dozen, is 13, sometimes even 14. Basically, it's getting something extra. For example, if you're buying a loaf of bread, you might get an extra slice or two. The extra slices were called inbreads. I know it sounds like something else, but it's spelled I-N-B-R-E-A-D. And if you're buying a dozen loaves of bread, you might get an extra loaf or two. The extra loaves were called vantage loaves. But as you've probably noticed, you don't get extra loaves of bread anymore, unless you're at a buy two get one free sale or something like that. Because this practice of giving extra is from a long time ago. Back in the medieval days in England. So why 13 instead of 12? In medieval England, bakers used to be punished if they gave their customers less than they paid for. So in order to make sure they wouldn't accidentally give their customers less, they always gave them more than they were paying for. That way, they made sure they wouldn't be punished for anything. Back in the year 1266, King Henry III was ruling England. In that year, he decided to bring back an old statute that determined the price of bread in relation to the price of wheat. This was called the Assize of Bread and Ale. Because the price of ale was also determined in relation to the price of wheat. Basically, they needed to let the prices of these wheat products be able to fluctuate, but they also needed to make sure that even the poor could afford to buy bread, which was a staple food. So try to follow here. The price of bread was fixed. You could always buy bread for a quarter penny, a half penny, or a penny. But if wheat prices were up, then you'd get a lighter loaf of bread at each price, and if wheat prices were down, you'd get a heavier loaf of bread at each price. The law enforcers checked the weight of the bread loaves rather than the size because a bigger loaf could be filled with lots of air holes, leaving you with less bread. So weight was a more accurate measure. But weight wasn't a foolproof measure and bakers could cheat the size of bread and ale system. And they were very inventive about it. Some bakers grounded sand, dirt, or chalk into their bread to increase the weight of each loaf to a proper weight while using less of the actual ingredients. During checkups, some bakers would bake bits of metal into the bread to make it heavier, then presumably remove the metal afterwards. And some bakers would also soak stale bread in water so they could mix it in with new dough, again, cheating the customers. But that's all child's play level of sneakiness. This is a true story of a public bakehouse, which was open in the 1300s. Bakehouse, bake shop, bakery, it's all the same. So let's actually use the more familiar term and call it a bakery. Okay, in most homes at the time, families didn't have ovens. So people would make their own dough and bring it to a bakery to cook in the baker's oven. They'd pay a small fee and dough would be baked in the leftover heat in the oven after the baker has finished cooking his own bread. So one of these bakeries had secret hiding places underneath their molding boards. In these hiding places, an assistant could sneakily pinch off bits of dough from each customer's loaf. 
The bakery could then combine all their pilfered dough to bake as their own to sell. So, what were the penalties for bakers that violated the all-important a size of bread and ale statute, cheating English society of their all-important staple food? We found mention of four punishments: one, they could be fined; two. They could be pilloried. By the way, a pillory is a piece of wood or metal with holes to hold a person's neck and wrists, and being pilloried is both torturously uncomfortable and humiliating. Three. They could be flogged, which is to be beaten with a whip or rod. Four. They could even be dragged across the streets by horses over pieces of wood laid down on the ground. Sounds bad, but according to Wonderopolis.org, cheating bakers in ancient Egypt were sometimes punished by having their ears cut off and then nailed onto their bakery door. That's not something we could verify, so it's just a fun or more like awful but fascinating anecdote. Here's another unverified anecdote that is both awful and fascinating. In ancient Babylon, bakers who were caught selling loaves that didn't weigh enough were sometimes punished by having their hands chopped off. So, who was allowed to penalize the bakers? The Bakers Guild, known as the Worshipful Company of Bakers, the Bakers Guild had been granted the power to enforce the baking regulations, and quite wonderfully. The guild continues to exist today, and they have a website, bakers.co.uk. The link is in our show notes, and you might want to go there just to check out their awesome coat of arms. Records of payments to the king's exchequer indicate that the Bakers Guild is the second oldest guild in London after the Weavers Guild. In the 1300s, the Bakers Guild actually divided into the Brown Bakers Guild. Which baked only brown bread, and the White Bakers Guild, which baked only white bread, but they reunited in 1645, and now they continue to exist together as the Worshipful Company of Bakers. But the bread assize was cancelled by the Parliament in 1863, so they're no longer dealing with weighing people's bread. Anyhow. Now we know what the phrase "a baker's dozen" means and why this phrase exists. But when did people actually start referring to the number thirteen as a baker's dozen? The oldest record we could find of someone using the phrase was in a play by John Cook called "Greens to Quoque." By the way, to make the name sound less strange, I should tell you the meaning of "to Quoque." Which is basically a retort, saying "You too," or the pot calling the kettle black. Anyhow, the play was first performed in 1611, so the phrase is at least 400 years old by now. Lastly, we should mention that there are two other less cited theories for where the phrase "a baker's dozen" came from. So here we're going to recap the first theory and give you the other two theories. Theory one: In order to avoid severe punishment for selling underweight bread, bakers included extra bread for every purchase. So, if you ordered a dozen loaves of bread, they would give you thirteen, sometimes fourteen, instead of twelve. Theory two: Bakers sometimes sold wholesale to vendors, 
selling them thirteen loaves for the price of twelve, allowing vendors to earn a profit. Theory number three: Bakers arranged their loaves on the baking tray in a way that avoided the corners, because corners heat up more quickly than the rest of the tray and lead to uneven baking. So they lined up their loaves horizontally in columns of four, then five, then four. That makes thirteen per tray. This theory doesn't explain why thirteen loaves would have been sold as twelve, however. Throughout this episode, we've been talking about bakers cheating their customers and getting punished. We realize that it makes medieval English bakers sound like criminals. So we should note that it was sometimes the bakers that were cheated. Because bread was such an important food in the Middle Ages, the monarchy made sure that even during the hardest times, the people could have bread. This means that the king could force bakers to sell their bread below the market price, or even just to give the bread away for nothing. That makes it more understandable that they sometimes mixed in other ingredients like sand, because in harder times. The burden of a hungry population was on their shoulders, and sometimes they were run out of business and left with nothing themselves. And that's it for this week. Sorry that the episodes have been a little shorter. Factory and I have both been very busy, but once we're through this busy time, we'll make the episodes a bit longer. If any food buffs have suggestions for future episodes or anything you want to hear more about, please write to us at feedback at foodnonfiction dot com. Have a great week. <laughs>